Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. The living God of hope is coming in. And so for every heart out there this morning, Jesus, we declare, we declare that we have victory in Jesus. That it's an undeserved privilege not because we tried hard, not because we worked hard, but because you lavished your grace upon us. So God, we give you the glory today. We give you the glory over every battle today. We give you the glory over every victory today. God, we give you the glory over every triumph today. It is yours, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we can be along for the ride. We're just so in love with you, Father. Thank you for meeting us in this place today. So we give you this time, Jesus. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. I just invite you, if you would, just to grab a seat. I want to mention a couple of prayer requests. I'm going to invite our ushers. If you guys would come on down and we'll get ready to take our offering up this morning. And as they do that, um, a couple things I just want to ask you guys to be praying for. Some of you guys know the Height family and uh, Jill called in today and said that Mary... Um, She's 17, um, 18-year-old, Jill's daughter. Uh, She is in the hospital with sepsis. This is kind of her second bout of this in the last six months. So they're just trying to figure out where this infection is coming from that's causing sepsis in her body and can be a very dangerous thing. And so she just called in. She believes in the power of prayer and is just asking the church to be praying for. So if you jot that down, if you're a note taker, just pray for Mary. Um, just asking God to bring a healing to her. Also, um, uh, Matt, uh, Pastor Matt, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Jacob, and then Bree are all gone today. Um, They have been in New Mexico um, leading a youth camp, about 2,000 students, um, and they've just been leading worship for them. And uh, some of the reports that they were given is that, man, God just showed up in a big way, amen? So we're so excited for that. But here's what I'm praying for, kind of two things. One, well, pray for safety as they come back today. But there was such an anointing that God did in New Mexico, and I'm praying that they come back just with fire in their bellies for more of God, amen? And so I'm praying they bring that back. But two, I'm praying that those students in New Mexico that encountered the Lord, that they didn't look at that just as like a mountain high experience in New Mexico. I'm praying that they encountered the God of living hope so that wherever they go into all of their states that they came from, that they're going back and that 2,000 young students are radically on fire because God wrecked their life, amen? God wrecked their life for the world and he gave them a purpose from his kingdom. And so I'm praying and I want you to pray that church. I want you to pray that they go home and it doesn't just come off of them. They go home and when it gets real, because it's about to get real, I'm praying when it gets real and they go back to their schools, that they take this living hope with them. So if you guys would, just pray that in with us. I know that some of you guys have a prayer out there as well, and I want to encourage you uh, that that we're praying for you guys and those things. Um, And then I got one more praise to share. Some of you guys know Doug DeVee, probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. Um, Doug DeVee years ago had cancer, and it just absolutely just ravished, man, his, his body. And so 
Um, this last week, he had to go in for a CT scan. They were really worried about some things, and they thought maybe uh, bone cancer, and then thought maybe back kind of in the prostate type area. And he got a 100% clear report back, and, and so I just, I just want to give credit to the Lord today. And, and if you've got something, man, just lift it up to him today. But uh, we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way you answer prayer. God, we thank you for um, just what you did in Doug's life, what you did in New Mexico, God, uh, with the worship and, and just the word that was shared with 2,000 students. We pray, Heavenly Father, that there would be fire that goes with them now, God, that their hearts would be so touched, God. That, that it's noticeable when they go back in their schools that their peers are saying to them, man, there's something noticeably different about you. And then God, as Ryan and Matt and Jacob and, and Bree come back, I pray, Heavenly Father, that that same anointing that you did there would come back here. And that, God, they would be so on fire, so ready that that fire is contagious in this place as well. Thank you, God, for what you're doing there, Jesus. We pray for Mary, God, right now. We're asking, God, that you would meet Mary face-to-face, -face, living hope, God of living hope. Would you meet her face-to-face -face in her hospital bed? And would you find out whatever that infection is, because you already know it, Father, and would you get that infection out of her? Bring complete healing to her, Jesus, we pray. God, we give Mary to you. We trust, God, that you have a plan for her life. So we're asking for healing. God, as we take up our offering this morning, God, we say the same thing every week. We have no desire, Jesus, to build this kingdom of Reliance Community Church, but God, we have a desire. We want it so badly. Will you help us to partner, Father, with missionaries and people taking the gospel message to the ends of the earth? God, we want hope to spread, contagious. We want it to be contagious, Father. We want your love to be contagious. And so, God, for every nickel, dime, penny, dollar or more that's sowed into this place and offering, God, I pray that we can give it away. God, that we can give it away, that we can further your kingdom, Jesus. God, we want that more than anything. So God, will you help us to sow it, help us to sow it, Jesus, into every ministry we can. Thank you for the generosity of your people, and thank you, God, that you're so much bigger than just one church on a corner. We love you, Father. We praise you. We're so grateful for you. Um, we're just madly in love with you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said, how many love you some Jesus today? Amen. I got to tell you, church, I was a, a bit fired up, uh, first service, um, just felt like the Lord was stirring um, hearts. We had some time at the end, which we will today as well, um, just to, to, to pray for you guys. Um, and so, man, it's just a, it's a good day. If you're a visitor today, welcome. Uh, we call ourselves a family, and so by default, you're in the family. And so I want to, uh, something really stirred my heart this week. The Lord kind of put something on my heart to share. And um, I really want to talk about this in the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter. Um, it's really three words. I really feel like God had given me three words, and, and I would say that these three words um, really define our life. What we believe about these three words define our life. In fact, depending on how you would answer the question that these three words are posing is really the foundation of our life. It's why you're here. These three words in this question really are the foundation of your life, and those three words are, do you, and somebody say believe. believe. Do you believe? Do you 
believe. These words are foundational and, and really the reason that here in two weeks we're getting ready to celebrate Easter. Easter's like the pinnacle of, of our life in Christ. Like everything that we do in Christianity is contingent upon the fact that when the people went to the tomb where Jesus had been crucified and then put in this tomb, that they saw a stone rolled away and that when they peered inside of the tomb, it was empty. Amen? Like, we're here because it's contingent upon the fact that we believe that. And we're not even into Easter yet, amen? But we're not just celebrating this at Easter. We believe it 365 days a year. That when we peer into that tomb, it's empty. And because of that, something should stir in your hearts that say, that, that ask the question, do I believe? Do you believe? And so I just, let me kind of tell you where this came from this week. Um, it was one of those weeks where I kind of got challenged on Monday a little bit. Man, my faith got absolutely rocked a little bit. My belief got a little rocked a little bit on Monday. It had, you know, it's just, it was just a, first of all, it was Monday. Who likes Mondays? Nobody, right? I don't know why God created Monday. Some of you guys' hands are up there. You must be off on Mondays. Um, so I came in and Monday, just, it was, I had an encounter. It was just real challenging to the point where it like kind of rocked my faith a little bit. And it was so much of like just this, Oh, like this fear and anxious thoughts that began to come into me that it almost um, made me uh, feel like I couldn't go forward. Like I just felt almost like I was just stuck. I was just kind of on this plane of just being stuck because I, I didn't know what God wanted to do and I didn't know how God wanted to kind of go over this thing that I encountered. And yet, I gotta, let me back up just a minute. Um, I usually sleep like a champ. And so Sunday night, I'm usually just exhausted and I go to bed. I usually just sleep really, really well. But at 3 a.m., 3 a.m., I sprung up from my bed at 3 a.m. And, and I felt like the Lord had just got me up. And so when you hear like, I feel like the Lord had got me up, I'm saying I felt like there was something in my heart where I just sprung out of bed and immediately there was a scripture verse on my heart. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. Right? So I'm laying in bed, I'm out. I mean, I'm out and just ting, and it's like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I'm like, well, thank you, Lord, for waking me up for that. That was awesome, right? <laughs> um, so I, I tried to lay back down, and, and all of a sudden he was like, no, get up and go write that down. And I'm like, Lord, I've got an awesome memory. I will remember that, right? <laughs> you guys, anybody wrestle with the Lord like that a little bit? Okay. So he goes, get up and go write that down. I'm like, God, I will remember. I probably three in the morning. And he's like, get up. And so I remembered, oh, I got my cell phone by the bed. So I grabbed my cell phone, and I'm going to text to myself, no weapon formed against you, will prosper. I start the text, and my, it said I had 40% power, my phone dies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is Satan in an iPhone, right? <laughs> so I was like, Lord, and he's like, just go, go get the, go get the you know, charging cord and plug it in. Like, you need to know this, right? So I was get out of bed, you know, go to the kitchen, it's three in the morning, grab the charger, and, and in our bedroom, like every single one of our outlets, there's drawers in front of it, there's dressers in front of it, right? I'm moving furniture at 3 a.m. to try to plug in this dang phone, which I should've just got a piece of paper, but, and I plug it in, and I finally text to myself, like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? I'm like, I don't, okay, awesome, God, I don't know what you wanna do with that. And then, again, fast forward, I had this encounter on Monday where I absolutely just felt like I got whacked in the face. And as I got up and I'm, I'm going through that stuff and that encounter, all of a sudden the Lord reminds me, don't you remember I woke you up to give you a warning <laughs> that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? And that whole scripture verse is bent on this thing, church, that there are weapons being formed against you. 
But what's the promise? They will not prosper. And all of a sudden, I began to realize that, man, like, the weapon is being formed against me, but it will not prosper. And God began to remind me of these three words. Literally, right after that, he's like, do you believe? And it just absolutely challenged my heart to the core of, do I believe? Do I believe? And, and I got to tell you something, man. I struggle sometimes in unbelief. Anybody else struggle in unbelief sometimes? I want to see hands. Come on. All right. Thank you. Like, I want you to know, uh, the reason it's important for us to do that is because I want your neighbor sitting beside you that says, does anybody else struggle like I struggle? I want them to see your hand go up. Because I just want, I, I believe with all of my heart, and, 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 and as I'm pressing into God, I see God do amazing things, and there are times where we see God do amazing things, and my belief skyrockets, and then something happens in my heart, and eventually sometimes what happens is unbelief comes in, which we're going to talk about today, and I begin to go down a little bit. And so I, I hear stories, and, and we watch God do crazy things, and I get to hear stories of healings, and I get to hear stories of, of, of things that happen all around the world, and, and, and I want to believe with everything I have, and then something happens where sometimes I'm like, God, did you, like, did you really do that? Is that real? Did you really do that miracle? That person really get healed? And, and, and I struggle with kind of believing at, at times in my heart. And there's this theme throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's this theme woven throughout Scripture, and here's what this theme is. That, that, that God would show up in a big, mighty way, and all of the people, man, they would just start believing in the Lord. And then after a certain time, they would allow unbelief to come in, and they would start to go down. And then God would show up in a big way, and they would start believing again, and then unbelief. And it's just this wave that you see in Scripture through the Old Testament and the New Testament, where it's like, I'm in, and I'm out, I'm in, and I'm out, I believe, and then unbelief comes in. Amen? Like, my heart is for you, my heart is hardened, my heart is for you. And you see this kind of dance all through Scripture in Old Testament and New Testament. And so the Lord was like, look, this is, how, this is how it is with people. We can be finicky, but here's the three words that I have for you. Do you believe? Easter's coming. Do, do you believe? Big things are coming. Do you believe? Um, I believe this is our foundation. And so even today, I was thinking about how we can believe in the stupidest things, right? Like all of us in here, we're believers in something. All of us. And I'm not talking about even faith. I'm saying all of us. We can believe in crazy things. Like, like you can believe in UFOs. And I'm not calling you crazy, all right? <laughs> but you can believe in UFOs. I'm just saying. They could, they could be. They could absolutely be. But there are people who will spend the rest of their life trying to prove that there are UFOs. There are people that believe in Bigfoot, okay? I'm not calling you crazy. I'm just saying, you a little crazy, but I'm just totally messing with you, right? If you believe in that, there are people that will spend the rest of their life trying to prove that Bigfoot exists. Amen? Like, we, we will spend all of our lives believing in things that at the end of the day don't really hold an eternal value. So here it is. We've got this God who's proven himself that we'll struggle to believe in at times, and yet we'll lock into other things like, if I play the lottery enough, I'm going to win. Amen? I'm going to tell you, you're believing crazy, right? Because I ain't seen no 10% tithe of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> totally messing. It's between you and the Lord. Every man gives an all. So here's the deal. We put all of our stock in these crazy things, though, don't we? That we will chase after whatever it is. 
And, 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 and there's good things that we do too. I mean, you hear good speeches and you hear good motivational speaker, speakers that'll say the same thing. They'll say, at the end of the day, man, um, we need to believe in your self. Like at the end of the day, you need to believe in yourself. I'm just gonna ask you this question. And, and, and I, it's a good saying and I get that, but anybody's self ever let them down? Myself lets me down all the time. And if what I'm putting my belief in is in myself, I'm gonna be disappointed a lot, right? I'm gonna be disappointed a lot. And so, like, we put our belief in these things that sometimes can be so far out there we're trying to prove. We put ourselves in these other things inside of ourselves where I'm just, we're just going, I'm just supposed to believe in myself. And then I realize that myself lets me down. And so, what happens when we put those things into other things, we put the belief in ourselves is that when we don't pan out, we start to lose belief. An example that I was sharing with first services. My son, Tyson, um, he's 13 now, but he was an absolute wild man when he was a little boy. I'm just w wild, still a little wild, but absolute wild boy. When, and he loved to climb and jump, still loves to do those things. But he used to love to be on the couch, like two years old, and he would just jump as high as he could off the couch, and there would be pillows, and he would just land on the pillows. And he'd do it over and over and over and over again. And then one day, somebody moved the pillows off the floor. But he didn't know that. He's two. He's like, I didn't even look for pillows. I just believe something's going to be there, right? And he gets on the couch, and he jumps off, and he just face plants, right? And just crying and tears, a lot like today. Um, <laughs> crying and, and tears. Just messing, buddy. And I remember going, Tyson, Tyson, you want to get back on the couch? Daddy will put the pillows down there. You can jump off the couch again. And he's like, no, no, no jump, no jump. Something happened in his little heart in that moment where he didn't have to worry if there were gonna be pillows there because he just always believed that they were, when they were moved, he didn't wanna jump off the couch anymore. Here's the thing, I think there's a lot of us like that with Jesus. Like we put our stock, we believe in all of these things, but the minute that Jesus doesn't act or move or, or do or whatever like we maybe thought he was going to do, then we just simply aren't gonna jump towards him anymore. We're not gonna believe towards him anymore. And it's not that we don't love him because we still love him, we're just simply not going to believe like we once believed maybe in him. So those three words, do you believe, carry a lot of weight in, in our life. And you can define those things in so many ways. Like I was just writing some things down like, do you believe that God can restore your marriage, right? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Do you believe that God can take tension in your household between mom, dad, sons, and daughters? Do you believe that God can heal that tension? Do you believe that you'll have all the resources necessary to pay the bills? Do you believe that, that God is sufficient for all of your provision? Like all of these things come in here, and here's the deal. Most of us, we don't even think about those things. Most of us don't even think about like, am I gonna have food in the pantry? Am I gonna have food on the table? Most of us don't think about those things because we live in a level of comfortability, right? We live in a level of comfortability, and so we just don't really have to put much stock in that belief because it's just kind of always been there. And I was thinking about that, and here's what we typically see in Christianity. The level of comfortability that I have is the level of belief that I have. The level of comfortability that I have is the level of belief that I have. Let me say it a little differently. The level of comfortability that I allow my mind to go determines the lev level of the depth that we experience with Christ. So if it starts to get weird and outside of my comfortability, if your pastor says, look at your neighbor, like really, turn around, look at you, you're like, that's so outside of my comfortability, right? And all of a sudden, that level of comfortability then determines whether or not I'm gonna believe or not believe. Uh, 
put it to you this way. We've got a lot of charismatics in this church. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know who they are because they're saying, come on, amen. Amen? And we've got a lot of people who grew up traditional in this church. Come on now. You're like, not really, right? <laughs> like we would totally be singing hymns right now. And we've got people in here who, who don't know anything of what I just said. What's it mean to be traditional? What's it mean to be charismatic? But we put everybody under this roof, and what you'll see is everybody has different expressions of worship. So my charismatic folks, they're loving Jesus. Flags are going, man. Irish jigs going on, however that looks, right? And I'm loving it. And then, man, my, my folks that grew up traditional, they're in here going, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free, right? And then everybody else in here is just going, I don't even know what to do right now, right? And so what happens is that sometimes depending who you're around, there's a level of comfortability. Like, oh, they're putting their hands up. Should I put my hands up? I just don't know. Should I do that? I, I don't know what I should do. And the charismatic folks, they don't care. They're just like, whatever, here we go. Let's do this, right? But then if you put them in a traditional setting and nobody's hands are up, they might go, I don't know what to do with my hands right now, right? I've got to cross my legs. Because there's a level of comfortability that determines how far we're going to go with the Lord. Amen? Amen? There's a level of comfortability. Listen to it this way. Most people have belief up to the extent of what you've experienced. If you've experienced it, then you believe it. If you've never experienced it, then it's difficult. And this is why we wrestle with things like healings. And this is why we write. It's so funny. We come in on Easter Sunday in two weeks, and everybody's going to leave just so spiritually charged that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. But then we struggle when somebody says, dude, I could not see out of my right eye, and the Lord healed me. Why? Why do we struggle with that? Because something happens, and we're going to address it today with two things. There's an unbelief that begins to raise up in our hearts, and there's unmet expectations. Amen, church? And so as we navigate this, I just I want you to open your hearts to this because I believe it's so pinnacle that we address belief today. Before we get into the Easter season, before we get into the tomb being empty, I just, I believe that we address this thing of unbelief and, 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 and unmet expectations when we talk about belief because it determines on how we live on the other side of eternity. Amen? And so let me just, let me just start here. Uh, let me just start with unbelief for a minute. So here's what we're coming up against. We're coming up against what the enemy wants to do in every heart in this place. Listen to me. We're coming up against what the enemy wants to do in every heart in this place. And what the enemy wants to do in every heart in this place is simply give you a certain level of unbelief. We've addressed this in here n numerous times. Um, he's not so, if you're in here today, the chances that he can change you and for you to do a complete 180, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, the chances that you're going to do a complete 180 and just walk away from God, he knows that that's probably not a high probability. Now, he would love it to happen. The enemy would love that to happen. Satan would love that to happen. But he knows that the chances of him absolutely changing you, getting you completely rooted up and walking away are slim. But if he can give you a certain level of unbelief, then he knows he's got you. Let, let me say it like this. I've mentioned this before, but Satan's not so much interested in you not believing in God because that's a hard task for him. He's interested in you and I not fully believing that God can or will do things. In other words, he wants us to stop short in our understanding of the full power of God in our lives and our identity in that. He wants to stop short, just like 
God says, you can do this. And he's like, I believe, like we're sitting here going, I believe in you, God. He wants us to stop short and believing that we can take that next step. He wants us to stop short and believing that we can walk in that much more authority. Is it, amen? This is his main task. He wants to strip your identity from what you know to be the fullness of God in your life. It's why you read all through the New Testament about coming into the full knowledge of God. It's why you read in the New Testament about coming into the full power, the full authority of God. It's why, why the whole New Testament is to show you that you can rise up and walk in the fullness of Christ in your life. And the enemy's going, if I could just sow just a little bit of unbelief in that so that you stop short... Then, then I've done my job. Um, scripture addresses this like crazy. You'll see all through Scripture, woven in and out, this unbelief, unbelief, unbelief coming in. In fact, if you guys have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Um, Hebrews is written um, really as a, as a whole book to try to challenge this unbelief and try to get us back into faith again. Um, and, and the context of Hebrews 3.12 is that the people of Israel, he's, he's rehashing the story of the people of Israel. And he's like, the people of Israel, they were rescued from captivity. Um, they had gotten to a place of unbelief in their life. And, and they didn't think that, that the promised land was going to be able to be accessed. In other, accessible. In other words, God brought the, 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 the Israelites out of captivity. He gave them all these things, sustained them, helped them all along the way. And then when they got to the very edge of the promised land, something happened in the hearts of the people where a little seed of unbelief began to rise up and it began to spread like wildfire. Well, God brought us all this way, but there's no way that he can get us into the promised land. And so something happened in that moment. Something happened. Unbelief began to rise up and spread like wildfire. And because of that, they did not enter the promised land. And that whole generation died off. They stopped believing. They, they believed that God, we heard, heard this at our EXO conference. They believed that God could do it. They watched him. They watched God water from rock. They watched manna fall from heaven. They watched the Red Sea part. They watched God do all of these things. It wasn't a fact they couldn't believe that God could do it. They stopped believing that God would, amen, do it. And so they stopped believing that, and then that led their unbelief to rule their hearts. Rather than those three words, do you believe, unbelief ruled their hearts. And so the author of Hebrews says, listen, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own, somebody say own. Own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Be careful means to take care. It means to be on guard. It's a caution that there's a reality, that there's something out there to get you. There's a reality that there are weapons being formed against you. Amen? It's a reality. It's a reality. If you be in Christ, there are weapons being formed against you. The promise is, though, they will not prosper. And so he says, be careful. In this instance, he says, be careful with your heart to look at your heart, to make sure that your heart is not unbelieving. Now, here's the key, and I keep saying your because there's a reason. Because he keeps saying, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. And, and I got to tell you something. This is a good note for Christians today. Sometimes we're more concerned about what's going on in other people's hearts. Amen? Sometimes I'm more concerned. I can show you unbelieving hearts. Let me show you. I can show you evil hearts. I've got a whole list of them. I want to show you. <laughs> And the author of Hebrews is going, yeah, but what about your heart? Where's your heart at? 
And a lot of times, I don't, I don't know that we take time to examine our own hearts in, in unbelief. Um, we love this scripture. We talked about a lot in here. Psalm 139, 23, David is telling us, this is what we got to do. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. When I see that, see if there's any offensive way in me, I, I, I feel like you could say, see if there's any unbelief in me. <laughs> because if I believe, if I believe God can, if I believe God will, if I believe then probably there's not going to be that offensive way in me. So practically, let me show you what this looks like. There's a guy in Scripture that we read about named Demas. Somebody say Demas. He's mentioned like only two or three times in Scripture. And what we know about Demas is that he was a missionary with Paul. And uh, he's going around. He's sharing the gospel message. Demas obviously had a ministry. There was something that the Apostle Paul, who has the Holy Spirit inside of discerning, there's something that the Apostle Paul saw in Demas. Like, this guy's legit. He's real. He's a good dude. I'm taking him with me. So Demas and Paul are going on missionary journeys. They're sharing the gospel message, okay? People are getting saved, um, I have to believe that if Paul was doing miracles, Demas was probably doing miracles too. There was something about Demas, man, that was so enticing that Paul saw him and says, come with me on these missionary journeys. There was something in his heart, though, that was happening. As Demas is on these missionary journeys, something was building up in his heart. The spirit of unbelief, the seed of unbelief, this root of unbelief was building up in Demas' heart where even though he was walking, even though he's walking with Paul, even though there were miracles happening, even though there were things that they were saying, unbelief started to be rooted in his heart. And at some way, he stopped believing that God was all sufficient. Here's how I know that. In 2 Timothy 4, 9, Paul writes to his companions, he says, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonia. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. So here's the reality. There's a warning, church, that I want you to get. There's a warning that, that this can slip into our life even while we're doing the things of God. Somewhere along the line, Demas says, man, God is awesome, okay? But the things of this world are so much better. And he traded God for the things of this world. Something happened with Demas' heart. He took his level of comfortability and his level of experience, and he kind of formed a box around what he believed. And I think some of us do the same thing out there. We take our comfortability and what we've experienced with God, and that's how we box in what we believe. I'm not going to believe outside of what I've experienced and the comfortability that I have. And something that we shared in here before is that unbelief does not mean that you don't believe in God as God. Unbelief can simply mean you don't believe in God as all-sufficient. Amen? So the book of Hebrews is written to show how many believing Christians make this start with God. They're, they hear that their sins can be forgiven, that they can escape hell, they can go to heaven, and they say, man, what have I got to lose? I'm all in, I'm all in, I'll believe, I'll believe. But then a week or a month or a year or 10 years, and all of a sudden a test comes in, a season of struggle comes in, and even though we've watched God move, and even though we've seen the things of God, all of a sudden that struggle comes in, and all of a sudden, because we don't know how God's going to do it, we box do. I believe. We box it around there. I just don't know if he can. I don't know if he's sufficient enough. And a seed of unbelief begins to build in our hearts. And when that seed of unbelief begins to build in our hearts, we back away from the Lord. 
We just simply back away. We'll still come to church. I'll still come to Bible study. I'll still be in a life group. But that unbelief that's built in my heart, I just don't know if God's sufficient. So I'm going to grab hold of some other things. Amen? <laughs> and here's what happened to the Israelites because we read about it in Numbers. Numbers chapter 11, verse 5. The Israelites, they, they, they got out of Egypt and they faced now struggle, trial in the wilderness. And they say this. We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, but now our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. (laughs) Babies, right? Stinking babies. Like I look at that and I'm like, you were, okay, you were in Egypt, in captivity, tortured, enslaved, beaten, working for somebody else without any wage. But they fed you well, and now you've got freedom, and God is supplying food for you, and you're complaining? Knock it off, amen? And then God goes, no, 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 examine your own heart, Aaron. Where's your unbelief? And this quote said, this is a terrifying condition to be in, to find yourself no longer interested in Christ and his word and prayer, worship and missions, and living for the glory of God, and to find all the fleeting pleasures of this world are more attractive than the things of God and his spirit. And that was Demas. And the most dangerous thing that we can do is to believe God partially, but not in all things. Because what happens is in two weeks, we have a resurrection to deal with. In two weeks, we have an empty tomb to deal with. In two weeks, you and I come face to face. Do you believe? We've got an empty tomb to peer into. In two weeks, there's something that's going to stir our hearts. We have a God who raised the dead and raised his son from the dead. And if we are believing that, then we are saying there is nothing our God cannot do. We are confessing, I believe God in all things. Amen? And sometimes what happens is uh, it, it sneaks up on us. Like we don't even realize that unbelief is sneaking up inside of us. And so we, we become, we begin, we come to church, again, we come to church, we're still engaged, but we become indifferent. Somebody say indifferent. We start to become indifferent to the things of God. Indifference is a killer church. We just, we're just kind of indifferent to, like, I, I like being here. There's some cool people here. Um, you know, I like to worship. Yeah, what, what's God doing in your heart? I don't know. I'm just kind of indifferent to it. But it's, it's a cool place. Plus somebody watches my kids for an hour and a half, like, <laughs> bonus, Right? Look what A.W. Tozer says. A.W. Tozer once observed that Christians treat Jesus in much the same way the British treat their monarchs. The kings and queens of Britain are called the rulers of the nation, but they do not actually rule. They only reign. They do not have any power. They are mere figureheads before people whom they bow and address as your majesty. They take up a lot of attention, but the British British people do not allow these kings and queens to have any practical power in their lives. This is the kind of indifference we often give towards Jesus. We'll bow, we'll say majesty from time to time. We know you reign, but do you rule in my life? And, and maybe this is why. Maybe, maybe a lot of this I- I- of unbelief building up in us is simply birthed out of that next part, which is unmet expectations. I was sharing, um, we all have expectations in life, amen? Anybody, yeah? 
Like you enter into things, you have expectations. And so at the marriage conference this last uh, weekend, when we had it two weekends ago, whenever it was, um, we, 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 one of the table discussions that kind of resonated in my heart was, hey, tell us about your honeymoon. Like where did you go on your honeymoon, right? So we're sitting around, everybody's telling their honeymoon stories. And, and I remember um, telling them like, oh man, Chris and I, we gotta go to Hawaii. Oh, but it was miserable at the start, right? Like the, some of our expectations just weren't met. I'm not talking about the honeymoon accommodations, all right? So, so the accommodations of our honeymoon when we went to Hawaii was that we had this postcard picture of where we thought we were going, like when we booked it. And so in my mind, like Hawaii is a small island, like that's what I'm thinking. We'll be like at our, our place in 20 minutes. Two and a half hours we were driving through those dang hills of Hawaii, all right? Just drive and drive and drive. We finally get to this other side and are like this beautiful place that I thought like the postcard showed was like this rundown shack, all right? And I'm looking at this rundown shack and I'm thinking, okay, at least white sands or like really nice beaches. It's going to be beautiful. We go, it's the black sand beaches, which are still cool, but there were dead sea turtles all over on the black sand beaches, right? And I knew in my mind, I didn't have to turn around. I know my bride. I know her. She's amazing. I turn around and she gives me that look like, you better find something else, right? <laughs> There was an unmet expectation there. I'm a Motel 6 guy. I can swim around dead sea turtles. Not a big deal, right? But not my bride, all right? I proceeded to grab my bride's hand. I got on the phone with the guy who sent me the postcard that was a lie from the pit of hell, right? And we got to a better accommodation. And so I had this picture in my mind that this is what it was going to look like. And my expectations were out there. And I was so excited that this is what it was going to look like. And it just didn't meet my expectations. And I think some of us in this room, we've got this expectation that I'm going to believe in God, but I'm going to believe. And when I pray, like this is what I picture, God is going to ride on his white horse, on his white horse, he's got a sword in his hand, and I'm down here, and I'm just wallowing, man, and I'm struggling, and he's going to come down on his white horse, and he's just going to rip me out of that thing, and I'm just going to be enthroned in glory, and it's going to be great, grand, and awesome. Let me tell you, that's at the end times, folks, Amen. That does not mean that you're going to experience that in every single one of your situations. And so we're saying, God, however you want to do it, I just expect that you're going to do something. However you're going to do it. Maybe I'm going to wallow down here and you're just going to send somebody to wallow with me, but you're going to be there. Maybe I'm going to be in the fire, but there's going to be a fourth person in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's going to be the Holy Spirit or Jesus, amen? But somebody's going to be in the fire with me, right? And so here we are going, God, maybe at the end of the day, this unbelief is rising up in me because I've got unbelief in my heart because my expectations were not met. This is what makes the road to Emmaus such a sweet story. After the resurrection, and band, you guys can come on up. After the resurrection, what happened was Jesus had been crucified, died, risen, and all of a sudden his disciples have been scattered. Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus. Two of his disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. They look over and see this guy. They don't even recognize that it's Jesus. They start having a conversation. They're downcast. Jesus speaks to his two disciples, two of them. And he says, why are you so downcast, essentially? He's like, what's going on? Where are you guys going? They're like, don't you know what's happening? I'm like, oh, man. Don't you know what's happening? And they proceed to tell Jesus about himself. This guy was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But look at this next sentence, church. But we had hoped, somebody circle that, but we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. His two disciples that he spent three years telling them, this is what's going to happen. Don't worry. I, this, it, it, when I get put in that tomb, I'm not dead. 
they had hoped, that means that they had hoped and they lost what? Somebody say belief. They had lost belief. They had hoped that he was the one going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day. And since all this took place, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who, who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found out it was just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. <laughs> Jesus says to them, how foolish you are and how slow to what? Somebody say believe. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. No one was looking for a crucified Savior. This morning, I just, I believe that there's some folks that have hoped. There's some folks that have believed. And yet this seed of unbelief has risen up. And instead of making you step towards Jesus, you've boxed off, do you believe? Do I believe? You've boxed that off with my level of comfortability determines that and my level of experience determines if I believe that. And I believe that before we can peer into an empty tomb on Sunday morning, we have to first set in our heart that we believe. Some of you need to know this morning that God is challenging your belief right now in a situation I've heard all these last couple weeks of situations where God is trying to stir and move hearts, but somebody's heart is hardened, and you said, I'm not going to move. I don't want God to do this. I don't believe God can do this. And you've, you've allowed that seed of unbelief to rise up in you. Some of you in this place, man, you just simply go, I thought God was going to move so much differently, and because he didn't move in the way that I wanted to, I've just backed off. It was like the pillows were moved from the couch, and I jumped off, and I face planted. And I thought that he was going to be there. I thought the safety net was going to be there. And so I just don't know if I want to jump again. And he's going, jump. Jump. Man. So, so prayer team, will you guys come up? Prayer team, come up. Here's the deal. Let's raise the level of belief in this place. Let's raise the level of belief in this place. If you are out there today and you know in your heart that a seed of unbelief has come in, let's destroy that seed of unbelief. This morning, the prayer team's gonna be up here. They wanna pray over you guys. You can come up to the altar. You can pray here by yourself. But if there's a seed of unbelief, a seed that God can do it, I just don't think he will do it. There's a seed in you that says, he didn't meet my expectations last time. I don't think he's gonna do it this time. If something is in you right now that doesn't say, do you believe? And the answer is yes. Then I'm gonna tell you right now, God is working on your heart. And so as the prayer team is up here or the altar's open, I want you to come and I want you to experience what it looks like to have that seed of unbelief ripped out. And I want belief to rise in this place. When these doors open and you guys go to lunch, man, I want your level of comfortability to be thrown out the window and you see people that are in need or you see somebody that looks like they need prayed over and all of a sudden you're like, my box of comfortability is broken. I'm going to go pray for that person. I'm believing it, church. But you got to believe it. I'm going to pray over you guys, and then we're going to sing this song. The altar's open. Father, today, Jesus, will you raise the level of belief in this place? God, wherever the enemy has tried to sow seeds of unbelief, God, would you break those seeds of unbelief, and would you give us belief in what you can do and will do? Wherever the enemy, God, has shown us that you didn't meet our expectation like we thought, will you remind us that you were in it with us? And then, God, I pray that as belief rises in this place, 
God, this would be a church that's on fire to go out, break comfortability, break experiences that we have had, and enter into new experiences with you. We love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you guys stand? We're going to close out with this song. Altar is open. Teams are open. Don't leave if you need prayed over today. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.